You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums, and it's here before you die. episode will be talking about Talking Heads, Talking Heads 77. In the room I have Anne. Hey. On the line I have Rob. What's up? And, uh-oh. And Kyle. Hi there. Talking Heads 77 is the debut studio album from the American rock band Talking Heads, released September 16th, 1977 on Sire Records. The producer was Tony Bon Jovi, Lance Quinn, and Talking Heads, and the genre is art, punk, and new wave. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, William Rollman. Though they were the most highly touted new wave band to emerge from the CBGB scene in New York, it was not clear at first whether Talking Heads' Lower East Side art rock approach could make the subway ride to the midtown pop mainstream successfully. The leadoff track of the debut album Talking Heads 77, Uh-Oh, Love Comes to Town, was a pop song that emphasized the group's unlikely roots in late 60s bubblegum, Motown, and Caribbean music. But the uh-oh gave way, gave away the group's game early. With its nervous, disconnected lyrics and David Byrne's strained voice, all pretenses of normality were abandoned by the second track as Talking Heads finally started to sound on record the way they did downtown. The staggered rhythms and sudden tempo changes, the odd guitar tunings and rhythmic Single note patterns, the non-rhyming, non-linear lyrics that came across like odd remarks overheard from a psychiatrist's couch, and that voice singing above its normal range, its falsetto leaps, and strangled cries resembling a madman trying desperately to sound normal. Talking heads threw you off balance, but grabbed your attention with a sound that seemed alternatively threatening and goofy. The music was undeniably catchy even at its most ominous especially on psycho killer burns supreme statement of demented purpose amazingly that song made the singles chart for a few weeks evidence of the group's quirky appeal but the album was not a big hit and it remained unclear whether talking heads spoke only the secret language of the urban arts types or whether that could be translated into more common tongue of hip pop culture In any case, they had succeeded as artists using existing elements in an unusual combination to create something new, but still managed to be oddly familiar. And that made Talking Heads 77 a landmark album. All right. How do we feel about Talking Heads? Talking Heads 77. Uh, What? When? uh, When in 77 did this come out? It came out in September uh, 16th, 1977. Okay. Why? 
Oh no, I, I was well, I was curious about why Psycho Killer would have been hitting the uh, hitting the singles charts, and then I was thinking of David Berkowitz and uh, the that Son happened, of Sam killings, but earlier he got caught yeah. in uh, ju- like late ju- early August, late July, and they actually delayed the release of the song uh, because oh, really? yeah, well be- when the killings were going on, uh, they were they had written the song years before. But they were about to release and those killings were going on and they thought, actually, we need to step back because it'll sound like we're trying to capitalize on these gruesome killings. So they did actually hold off on releasing that as any sort of single. Uh, they knew That's, it kind of was a hit, like a, a good song. They just had to had to hold it. You hear about uh, them recording that song uh, in the studio with Tony Bon Jovi, who... Uh, Made David Byrne pretty uncomfortable. No, there were Tony Bon Jovi's credited as the producer, but then there was also uh, Lance Quinn and uh, shit. I don't have the other guy's name in front of me who were on as the engineers. And Talking Heads liked uh, like the engineers, but they said Tony like the whole time he was there, he was like reading magazines or talking about boats or or airplanes and. Uh, wasn't really present, uh, but when it comes to Psycho Killer, uh, David Burns recording his vocals, and Tony Bon Jovi comes out and he's like, "Why don't we like, get a knife from the kitchen and you can hold a knife and and then we'll record it and you can sing it like you're a Psycho Killer." And David Byrne apparently just says, uh, "No, that's not going to work." <laughs> and, <laughs> and the band took a break, and like during the break, he was talking to the engineers about how he didn't really want to record with Tony there. It was just a weird vibe for the room. So they ended up like recording around Tony's presence, just like never really doing anything while he was there. And apparently he never caught on. (laughs) (laughs) They just just distracted him, right? With other parts of the building. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He he had some kind of construction project that he was uh, interested in that was taking up some of his time. And they would just record before he got there and after he left. What do you guys think? We're at Talking Heads, which I I have to remind myself. I always say the Talking Heads. It's just Talking Heads. It's it's one of those bands that you always assume it's the blah blah blah, but it's not. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought like Ramones. Cool. Yeah, this is this one's a, a weird one for me. Like I had never sat down and listened to the whole thing before this that I can recall, but I, it, it's like these songs are ingrained in my DNA. I know every single one of them just kind of weird. Uh, I mean, it, it's an awesome record, but it, it's weird to be so familiar with a thing that you didn't think you knew, <laughs> you know, did you have that, uh, sa- uh, sand in the Vaseline two disc talking heads collection? Are you talking about that STP song flies in the Vaseline? Definitely. Nope. I'm talking about the Talking Heads anthology that came out sometime in the mid late '90s. Sand the and the Vaseline. The only it, Talking it, Heads record I ever or uh, CD I ever had was uh, "Stop Making Sense." I never owned any other Talking Heads. Yeah, Ben, I had I had that two CD set. Yeah, yeah I had that in, in high school, and uh, disc one was like the early years, and it seems like at least half of this album, if not more, was on that. Yeah. And I think. That, that's why it's ingrained in my DNA, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I like this record. I'm a Talking Heads fan. Uh, I own this record. Uh, I used to think it was my favorite Talking Heads record, and I don't know if it's my favorite Talking Heads record anymore, but I like that it's the first one. And I'm trying to like listen to it with 
you know, 1977 ears and just having that like weird angular art school approach to like the, the punk scene. I, I, those words also describe wire, I guess, but in a different way with, with talking heads, you know? Yeah. I equated it a little bit more with Roxy music. This feels like the Roxy music equivalent and they were kind of coming up around the same time period, 1975. And I think Roxy was a little bit earlier than talking heads um, yeah. as far as coming into prominence and what they were doing. So I do love though, that talking heads straddle that line of new wave. They were in with punk rock just because of where they were at, I guess at the time. So they have that a little bit of a punk edge and at the same time have that art pop of Roxy music and it. And, um, Velvet Underground, I guess, is a big influence, obviously, as yeah. Lou Reed w- wanted to produce them. And John Cale was at CBGB's trying to recruit them. I believe Reed and Cale, like, uh, Cale looked at him and Reed, like, nudged him and said, they're mine. Like, as if to say, like, don't, don't mess with them. Like, I, I want to help them or I want to, like, tutor them. It and then the next two albums. Yeah. <laughs> It, Kale kind of felt like he had a bit of a claim to him because he knew Jerry from doing the Modern Lovers album. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, he's just so ingrained in that New York punk scene, being being John Kale, that he kind of felt like he had dibs, I guess. But yeah, maybe uh, I got that r- backwards. Lo- it lo- looks Kale. like uh, Eno's the one that uh, that won out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. King's totally. Lead Hat, man. King's Lead Hat. Yep. 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 Yeah, and that was uh, uh, still going back to that uh, Ramones tour. Like Talking Heads got offered the gig to go over and do the the England tour, and that's what kind of kicked everything off for them, or kick, kicked off both the uh, the punk and the whatever Talking Heads is new wave, I guess. You were shaking your head along with me about this being like a, uh, this being not your favorite. Yeah. Not being your favorite. Years ago, I picked up like the first four records. Um, I kind of listened to a lot. Maybe Rob, maybe that's where you remember hearing them because I've I've had them for a long time. Maybe. Um, but yeah, this record was never my favorite. It's great. I mean, it's got a couple of my favorite songs, obviously. Um, I mean, you can't, uh, oh, Love Comes to Town is just the perfect first song for Talking Heads, you know, for their first record. Um, but yeah, it's never been my favorite. And I went back and I hadn't listened to it in a few years. Um, and I've been listening to it for the past week and it's still great. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, if you listen for it, you know, like the steel drum sometimes when that comes out is just like delightful. Um, but uh, yeah, nowhere near my favorite Talking Heads record. Yeah, I was a little surprised when it popped up because it it makes it's like a lot of stuff in this book where it's, it's the first, right? It's the first, it has a big hit on it, it has psycho killer on it. So I understand why it's in the book, but at the same time, I would pick a couple other talking heads albums over this one. It, it has its other, I, think, 
so like of all the different like familiar ripples and branches that sparked off of like the the New York punk scene and inspired plethoras of bands and different genres of music there there's a a definite tentacle of that that's that's the talking heads like all these bands that you can like right now the first one that jumps to my head is like like something like parquet courts or something like that that would not exist we're not for talking heads and specifically i guess i don't know it's just uh it being the first album and it having this i think that this sound nothing kind of sounded like this at the time and the talking heads continued to develop and i i enjoyed some of their later work better but this did kind of did this sell well you just said it didn't no it did not so sell well. Maybe it didn't. No, I would have thought it like caused ripples like the Velvet Underground did, you know? Uh, well, they also didn't sell well. Yeah. That's true. That's it, true. I actually read yeah. some reviews where it compared it to the Velvet Underground where it said the same thing. It didn't sell well, but everyone who heard it started a band and was influenced. Right. Yeah. yeah. To answer your question, Kyle, we're getting the next three records of theirs on this as well. Oh, delightful. Yeah, I feel like I like I had never listened to this. Um, I like Talking Heads, but I've never like gotten super in. Like I've never explored them that much. It does when listen when I'm listening to this album, especially compared with like everything around it that we've been listening to lately. It it feels very different, like very weird and its own distinct thing. Even if this isn't like the best iteration of that, it def- it's doing so many like new things that I kind of understand. Maybe including it because of that. Just to say like. Hey, this this is starting too, right? But right. I don't know. It's like yeah, a new I, flavor of weird. Yeah, <laughs> like so many bands are doing like things like oh, so many bands are innovating. Mm-hmm. But like this this is a new flavor, and and it's fun. I also think that they're just trying to make sure that the CBGB scene is represented as much as possible. Like, I I think I, I don't know. Um, like I, I definitely don't see why this shouldn't be must listening or a must listen record. Yeah. It's it's very good. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're right. Since you looked up the that we're gonna get a lot more Talking Heads, I guess I feel better about including this one. I think I would I would just feel weird if if this was we only got two or so and this if, was if this was the Tom Petty and the heartbreakers yeah. all over again, yeah, that yeah, would that be, yeah, I guess this whole time I'm just assuming we're going to be covering a large portion of their career, which I'm <laughs> glad to hear that we're at least getting how many four? at, at least three more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that makes cool. sense. That's enough. That's enough for the talking heads. Yeah. That feels right. So aside from psycho killer, which, uh, you know, it's definitely a standout track. Do you guys have favorite tracks on this album? Uh, pulled up as a banger. I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I also like, uh, I like no, comp- I like no compassion. The last song on, on track on side one a lot. I really like, uh, the line talk to your analyst. Isn't yes. that what they're paid for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely like the goofy, like nervousness of the, of the vocals. Like they're so high. And I guess you said falsetto, I guess. It's like a strained falsetto. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. a, good stuff. It really makes them distinctive, you know? Yeah, it's Jello Biafra slash, uh, I'm trying to think who else does this. Oh, I did want to mention, 
when I was reading, he wanted Psycho Killer to sound like Alice Cooper singing Randy Newman. <laughs> Man, has Alice Cooper ever covered Psycho Killer? Because if not, why not, dude? That seems it's, like it's it's that's easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet Marilyn Manson has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here, uh, Lou reads. Uh, he saw him. He saw him perform. Invited him over. Like talked to him. He he wanted to sign him, but he also gave David Burns some uh, advice to. To never wear short sleeves on stage yes. because his arms are too hairy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good good rock advice. I from, love that. From one of the kings. <laughs> and, and then he tried to fuck him over with a record contract that would give him all the proceeds from the record that he was going to try to make him record. He sure did. Yeah. yeah. So but they stayed friends. It'd be hard to <clears throat> make enemies with Lou Reed in that scene. Are you I sure? <laughs> that seems like I, a pretty I, easy I, thing I to do. I bet there'd be people who would beg to differ. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I'm not saying it wouldn't be easy. But You'd have it, to pretend like you didn't hate him, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Which is also a thing. Uh, the song we're listening to right now, the book I read, I like this one a lot, too. This is yeah. another standout track for me. Mm-hmm. Great song. Yeah, they just, they do something. It's, it, it is like that familiar poppy... I mean, it almost has a dancey vibe to it, but at the same time, you completely out of left field. They could, they continue to do it so much more on this than than on this album later in their career. But just starting to pull different like world influences in, like they've got like a little bit of like Caribbean on "Uh Oh Comes to Town," "Uh Oh mm-hmm. Love Comes to Town." They just get even more so like that. Like I don't know, like there's some Talking Heads stuff that I think in a hundred years could be like modern folk music. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out my ass, but I, I feel strongly that. about this band. It's it's a it's a real. We usually use fusion in terms of when we're speaking about jazz and you know mixing all these different styles. But I think you know someone could make a case. Talking Heads is fusion music. It has a pop. It has rock. It has a world or Latin or you know different different ry- rhythms in there and and. You know, Talking Heads, they they definitely get their they get their credit for a lot of what they do, but I don't know if they get enough credit for being as funky as they are. They are a, they have their own kind of like nerd funk that is nonetheless very funky. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of funk on this record, and again, even more so as we go further into their career. Mm-hmm. Like once we get to like stop making sense, they're like. They are a full like ten piece funk band. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting <laughs> when when doing research for this too. They didn't want to. They kind of turned down those those early offers because they didn't feel ready. They were looking for Jerry. They hadn't found Jerry yet. Yeah. So it, it turns out he was in the Modern Lovers. Yeah, it's so strange to hear a you know a band at CBGBs to say, yeah, we're not, we're just not ready for to to rise to this occasion yet we need to find more more members we need to flesh everything out usually you hear it's a a band that's fully formed or whatever they just get a record deal and it's done yeah right i i I can't imagine being in a new band and and turning down record deals uh right out the gate but you know it worked for them and i haven't heard that much of them as a three-piece was it like Love Building on Fire? I think they were a three-piece when they released that one. 
I think they were right. You know, they they wanted some keys and they wanted a second guitar, and then they found they found them a guy that could do both. downplay also the bass playing on this album. Oh yeah, she she she's a she's a monster lady who makes all of the good sounds happen. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The, like I, I I don't Talking Heads doesn't exist without her in my own humble opinion. That's fair. Yeah. She bring, she yeah, brings I think that's fucking, fair. Yeah. Bring brings the thunder. And uh yeah, also probably we're going to get some Tom Tom Club at some point in this book too, right? Yeah, we have one Tom Tom Club. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. I think as a as a progenitor, as a leader of New Wave, the preciseness, the playing ability, I think, really shines through. Maybe that's what makes them, people would say, less punk or something because they have that sort of... Uh, polish. Polish, yeah. yeah they're the yeah, cleanest they're... sounding band we've heard from the CBGB scene. Definitely. <laughs> I'm just curious, have any of you heard that uh, that album... The Talking Heads album that doesn't have David Byrne, I think it's called All Heads, No Talking. Yeah. I, the the Heads, No Talking, Just Head. Has anyone actually heard it? No, no. no. I've, I've never listened to okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> that title just kind of. all you needed to know. <laughs> I th- sometimes I think that the, the the album was put out because they thought of the title and they're like, ooh, yeah, yeah. well, we're gonna need to make some music then because that's clever. And like thought of it at a bar. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh uh, yeah, I should correct my earlier statement. It was Kale that said to Eno, "They're mine, you bugger." Not that, Reed. Yeah, that, that sounds sounds right. <laughs> All right, how do we feel? What do you think? Yeah, it's great, man. Great. Yeah, okay. yeah. positive for me. If we only get one Talking Heads record, maybe not this one, but uh, I agree. Fabulous. But if we get four, definitely this one is yeah. one of the four. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? They present something uh, new and awesome. It's a great debut. It's, it is one of my t- top three favorite Talking Heads records. <laughs> I feel like it's... <laughs> does anybody else feel... We're, we're being very quiet right now. Does anybody else feel like it's weird talking about the Talking Heads? It's it's one of those As bands. Talking Heads on, on like a Zoom meeting or whatever? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> this is literally like a Talking Head meeting, right? I'm just saying... <laughs> it, I don't know if it's... I, I'm going to get ha- have to get past these things that I always just have on or are normal in my everyday life yeah. uh, and yeah. kind of dive in mm-hmm. more. It's, it's hard to analyze something that you just have always kind of accepted and taken for granted, I guess. We're getting no, into weird. our own memories now and it's weird. Yeah, it's, yeah it is weird. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very different. Yeah. Uh, I will say in terms of production on this album, not the strongest in terms of recording and kind of the, the quality, but they get there very quickly it, it makes sense i mean there were it's punk it's you know mm-hmm. definitely it's it's recorded probably in a week uh all right we're at psycho killer all right qu'est-ce que c'est it is <laughs> plus plus <laughs> 
Oui. So, uh, 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 you like this version of the song better, or you like the uh, "Stop Making Sense" uh, boombox version of the song better, uh, or do you like the "Stop Making Sense" live boombox version? <laughs> uh, wait, I like this version. Thing. Are there two the, different "Stop Making Sense" <clears throat> versions? Yeah, "Stop Making Sense" the 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 album doesn't have the weird breakdown on it. Oh, on the, well, uh, that's true. I was referring yeah. then to, I guess, the uh, the film version mm, yeah. with the breakdown. I like this version best. I think I do too. It's clear. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's mean. I like the performance of him dancing around with a boombox too, though. Yeah, but you can't you can't see that with your ears. Where is <laughs> the big suit in my ears? <laughs> Where is the big suit? In I've Rob's heard this song with with different lyrics. Um, was that a demo that they just changed all the lyrics, or have you guys heard it? What was the one you heard about? Uh, the acoustic version. It was a it bonus might, track. It has completely different lyrics. It doesn't yeah. sound. Is it still about a psycho killer? Yeah, the choruses are the same, but the, the verses are completely different. Yeah, huh. t- 2005, he, there was a bonus track called It Was Psycho Killer. It was kind of an acoustic version. I heard that. I've heard that okay. many times, too. I think people like to play it on the radio because it's slightly different. He also improv the second verse here on this, this record. So, Is that the Say Something Once, Why Say It Again verse? Yes. I like that verse. Yeah, yeah so good. <laughs> Thought that was cool. A lot of it, uh, life advice from David Byrne on this record. Yeah. <laughs> He'll give you some advice, but you're not going to understand what, what it is. I read that the, 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 the general theme of the record that they were, try, they were trying to convey a message about the importance of taking charge of your own life while still being fun to listen to. Hmm. I get it. I think they did it. Yeah. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Fleetwood Mac rumors. Uh-oh. Oh. Right, thanks, y'all. Hey,